clock strikes here. It's always Halloween, and I'm always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. This is a year-round Halloween history and storytelling podcast brought to you by our very own Patreon Ghoul Gang. Welcome to Small Frights Friday. On these very special episodes, I like to share a curated selection of calls from the All Hallows Hotline and letters from the Eek mailbag. Today, however, we are doing a purely Eek mail episode because the bag is overflowing. We've actually got several bags of Eek mails filling up the pod closet. And the meanwhile, the hotline has been slightly tampered with. I think some goofuses got a hold of the number and left a few silly calls that aren't quite appropriate for the podcast. So I have to spend some time cleaning that up untangling wires, shooing the rats out of the system. Calls will be back soon, but today we're just doing letters as we prepare for Halloween weekend. How does it feel, my lovely lanterns? We've made it to the end of October. This is a weekend filled with parties and parades and scary movie nights and costume contests and stuffing trick-or-treat bags. I hope that you are feeling excited, that you're taking time to drink it all in, that you're not pushing yourselves too hard, and that you're enjoying all of the small little joys that come across your path. And if you need a reminder of all the little things to appreciate about Halloween, that's what this episode is packed full of. But first, I would like to welcome our new Patreon Ghoul Gang members. We are so happy to have your help producing the podcast, Janet, Lorna, and Levy. We simply could not make this without you. You help keep It's Always Halloween ad-free independent, and sustainable. This is a great time to sign up because we here at It's Always Halloween can help you overcome the traditional Halloween hangover because we never stop celebrating, especially on Patreon. If you want to keep your trick-or-treat bag full all year round, then come on down and hang out with the Ghoul Gang. You can join in on our monthly book club meetings, our bi-monthly movie parties and movie marathons. You can chat all things spooky night and day on our private Discord server and have access to new bonus episodes and a back catalog of three years of bonus episodes as well. In November, we have All Souls Day, All Saints Day, and of course, Day of the Dead. So with these festivals in which we are thinking on the loved ones that we have lost, I thought a great theme for the month of November on Patreon would be spiritualism. So we are going to keep the ghostly vibes going into the next month. On November 9th, we are going to watch... The Legend of Hell House from 1973. On November 16th, we're going to watch The Changeling from 1980. And then our book club selection for this month is A Dreadful Splendor by B.R. Myers. And we'll be meeting to discuss that novel on November 28th. For more information on those events and everything that our various tiers offer, just visit patreon.com slash it's always Halloween to start the freaky fun and help us keep the porch light on. Now let's give one last screech of appreciation to Janet, Lorna, and Levy. We're so happy to have you here and thank you for helping us Continue this podcast even after the calendar says Halloween is over next week. Shut up, calendar. Nobody asked you. She's such a bully, the calendar. I just like, I don't, under, I don't understand. She like won't leave me alone. She's like, oh, Halloween's only next week. Ew, you're supposed to go to the doctor today. Ew, stop bossing me. 
Anyways, let's get into our first eek mail. This one comes with the subject line, a strange and spooky day. Hi, Luce. It's longtime Lantern and Ghoul Gang member Kia here. I'm writing to you on one of the rainiest days I can remember. The wind is howling outside. It's still raining now, and it has rained heavily all night and all day, to the point where it has made the sky dark all day long, which perhaps is adding to the spooky atmosphere I'm feeling. I had a terrible night's sleep last night and had to get up early and spend the day alone, so maybe I am sleep-deprived and delirious, but here are today's events. This morning, I was scared that our garage might be flooding due to the heavy rain, as this has happened in the past. Luckily, when I went to look at the garage, it was fine, but I got terribly spooked by a centipede that ran towards me and practically chased me out of the garage. I've been hearing bumps and bangs throughout the house all day, even though I am alone and the neighbors are out. I have ignored these to the best of my ability and carried on with my work. After work, I was tired. I fell asleep while reading Long Live the Pumpkin Queen, a book sequel to the film Nightmare Before Christmas written from Sally's point of view, and I was startled awake by a knock on the door. For some reason, I was inexplicably scared by this. Perhaps it's because I fell asleep at the creepy part of the book. I felt it best to hide and do nothing, but then I heard a van drive away and I realized it was actually a delivery driver delivering some new Halloween decorations I ordered. Side note, I now have a house with a porch. I'm making sure it is the coziest, spookiest porch possible, and I am loving it. But perhaps this is for another eek mail. I will send photos. To try to calm myself down, I was feeling terribly jumpy for seemingly hardly any reason at all. I went into my studio to make little trick-or-treat bags to hand out, if we get any trick-or-treaters. With my Puzzle Quest Halloween haunting books inside, along with stickers and sweet treats, this spooky fun activity was starting to work and I was enjoying myself when THUD! A bird flew into my studio window! For some reason, I found this utterly terrifying. My heart was beating so fast and for a few moments, I couldn't even understand what was happening. I have tried to see if the bird is okay, but it flew away into the storm and I don't know where it went. Safe to say, I was fully spooked. I'm now packing orders and listening to It's Always Halloween episodes to try to lean into the spookiness of the day to make me feel better, but I can't shake this creepy feeling that something strange is going on. Perhaps I can feel the veil thinning? I have put some of my new Halloween window stickers up into my studio windows in an attempt to one, stop birds from flying into them, and two, ward away any ghostly spirits. Also, my partner is nearly home and he is bringing me a toffee apple pie from the new McDonald's spooky menu, so I think my evening is about to get better. Perhaps nothing really happened today, but I have too many strange and eerie feelings to not share them with you. Sending you dark, rainy, spooky vibes with just a hint of cinnamon. Happy Halloween! Love from Kia. Oh, Kia, what a day! I know that I would be feeling just as shaken to my bones if I had had that experience. In fact, one centipede chases me and I'm down, baby. I'm done with that day. I'm not trying to do anything else. I'm not trying to trying to do anything creative or make the most of the day. I'm going to bed. When a centipede comes at me, it's over. I'm not going to fight that. I'm not going to try to go on with my day after thousands of legs come at me. No, thank you. So Kia, I'm very impressed with how much focus and determination and commitment you had on this truly eerie sounding day. There's something about being alone. Your mind is like, hey, it's not going to be that bad. I'll keep you company, <laughs> but I'm insane. And here's a bunch of stories that I'm going to make up about every single thing that happens, every noise you hear, everything you see out of the corner of your eye. Listen, baby, it's just you and me, and I'm going to drive you mad with imagination. <laughs> 
I totally have been there. You guys have heard me on a few episodes when I have been recording up late or all by myself. I I get the wrong thud when I'm reading some of your stories and oh my gosh, shoots me through the roof. I leave a Luce-sized hole in my ceiling like Looney Tunes, okay? So Kia, I wish I could have kept you company on this day. In fact, you know what? It's probably for the best I wasn't there because I would have just ginged you up. I would have been like, yeah, things, <laughs> things, things are bad. <laughs> There's spirits coming after us and they're sending centipedes as their first wave. Their first, their first round of defense is centipedes before they break on through and take us to the land of the dead. So it's probably best I wasn't there. Also, Kia, I must say, very cool of you to be handing out your Halloween puzzle book as a part of the trick-or-treat bags that these uh, kids are going to get. I think that's amazing. Lanterns, can you just picture how cool it would be to not just get a piece of candy or a, a little bag with a few pieces of candy, but you get an entire like puzzle book that is hand-drawn, beautifully illustrated, and the author is standing right in front of you gifting it to you? Wow, what a cool experience. Kind of want to book my flight to your house just a trick or treat there but I could also just order it on Amazon and all of you can too Kia is a very accomplished uh, puzzle book creator and on a past episode this year she told us all about how hard she worked to get a Halloween themed issue out so I am going to drop the link to that puzzle book in the show notes again and people can get little last minute treat. And what's great about it is it's it's pretty big. So you can use it for weeks and it can help transition you from Halloween through whatever comes next. You can stretch out the Halloween experience. And a lot of Kia's books have eerie and spooky feelings to them. She's talked about how she tried to inject as much low-key secret Halloween into the books before she was actually like actually officially allowed to make a Halloween one. <laughs> so we'll drop those in the show notes so that we can we can trick-or-treat in our own way on Amazon. <laughs> Oof, that's bleak, but supporting your fellow lanterns is important and her puzzle book is very cool. And one more thing, this toffee apple pie, my Lord, I love hearing about other countries' fast food menu items. And I think it's so interesting that we don't get the same ones. Interesting or am I crazy jealous? Because that sounds super good. And I hope it fixed your day. Kia, thank you so much for being such a lovely contributor to the podcast and for you know, helping us produce the podcast as one of our ghoul gang supporters. It's always a delight to hear from you. And I hope that you have a rain-free Halloween weekend and that tons of trick-or-treaters knock on your door for your very first Halloween in your new home. Congrats. So exciting to have a new place to live, especially if that new place has a porch. Okay, our next eek mail is... My scary first eek mail, parentheses, get it? (laughs) Real quick, I did not get it until I read it out loud. I was looking at it with my eyes for a while in the inbox and I was like, I don't, I can't, what's the puzzle here? And then I read it out loud and I was like, yeah, dummy, (laughs) scary is like very. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff happening right now. It's the last week of October. My entire brain is just pumpkin guts, okay? So this very cleverly titled eek mail starts off, greetings fellow ghoul. My name is Levy and I'm reaching out to show my admiration for your wicked work. I found your podcast near the beginning of this Halloween season and have been listening to it every waking moment. It's truly spooktastic, and it makes me feel like a kid again. With that being said, I have always felt a deep connection to Halloween ever since my early childhood. Growing up, my parents taught me about DIY costume making, decorating the yard with themed skeletons, and consistently binging a plethora of Halloween movie classics such as The Lost Boys and Monster House. 
From dressing up every year to simply leaping into piles of leaves whilst wearing scary masks, I have been blessed to hold cherished memories around this time of year. Since then, I have taken up my own haunted hobbies to commemorate these sentimental moments. Starting in 2020, I began making Halloween songs and music videos under the artist's name Levy, pronounced like the man-made dam-like water thing in cities. I write, record, and produce everything myself, you know, like a true descendant of costume makers. After crafting the music, my videographer Razmajaz and I create homemade props, including pumpkin heads and tombstones, to create an eerily fun visual atmosphere similar to a campy haunted house. Our most recent works include Mr. Pumpkin Man and Trick or Treat, both available on all streaming platforms. I have included the links so you can listen if you desire. Thank you for everything you do for the Halloween community, as I have been fearing its demise in recent years. You have given me the hope and dignity to keep celebrating. Huge support. Enchantedly, Levy. P.S. I will send some pictures of DIY costumes, props, and photo shoots. Happy almost Halloween! Love, 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 love this letter. Thank you so much, Levy. Uh, you do spell your name differently in the intro and the sign-off as L-E-V-I, so it does look like Levi. Uh, so because you spell it two different ways, I am still going to stick with Levy because that's how you described it in the middle. And then you can just tell me later if it's actually Levi. But my American brain wants to go, jeans, jeans, you have to say Levi. So any will be, this was a fantastic letter. And I am just a bopping to your song still. My, I love them both. My favorite was Trick or Treat. Played it a couple times. I can see it becoming an earworm. Lanterns, I think you're going to flip when you see these music videos. They are so lovingly put together. It looks like the 31st in music video form. I'm really impressed with how much artistic uh, passion that you put into it. I can really see that devotion that you have for Halloween in your work. And you're just having so much fun. The fun is just like oozing out of the video. I wanted to like push myself through the screen and dance with you. Um, your friends seem like a hoot. I had this nostalgic feeling while I was watching, especially the trigger treat video. Um, I'm really curious to know if anyone else have, has ever had this like nostalgia for a time that you've never experienced. Like, obviously I was not on that music video shoot with you, but watching it reminded me of making videos like that with my friends and how much I really miss them. A lot of my friends from growing up and different times in my life who live in different cities now. And it just like, I don't know, I feel like, um, I feel like it's something that I would have done with my friends and watching it. I was just like, oh man, I wish they were here right now. I wish we could make music videos together. So I think it's so cool that you all got together to do this and support each other. Loved seeing all of the little details on the gravestones, especially the finding all the different names like Rockwell, his uh, song Somebody's Watching Me is always on my Halloween playlists. Now that is a DIY music video. If you have not watched the Rockwell music video, it's it's really something. I'm so happy that you're enjoying the podcast from one DIY artist to another. Keep up the good work. It can be a lot for one person. I see how hard you're working doing so many different roles here in your music and your videos, but having a supportive group of pals who want to work on stuff with you is half the battle. And I think you guys have a really thing, a really great thing going, and I'm excited to see what else you make. Thank you for sharing these with me. I'm excited to have you in the ghoul gang, and I look forward to seeing all of those behind-the-scenes photographs. I hope that you and your gang have a incredible Halloween weekend. Now, Lanterns, I know you're just going to adore this next letter because it has some fascinating history in it. The subject line is the first Halloween candy. Hi, Luce. My name is Sophie. I am six years old and my mom is helping me write this. 
We started listening to It's Always Halloween earlier this month to get into the holiday spirit for the full month, and we fell in love with your show. My favorite part is the spooky ghost in the beginning that says, It's always Halloween! And the witches laugh. I laugh just like her for fun and to try to scare my mom. We got inspired by your history episodes to wonder what the first Halloween candy was because at first people gave out things like apples, toys, cakes, and biscuits. But what about candy? We read that the first candy was candy corn and it was invented by George Renninger in 1880 as a treat for farmers. Candy for trick-or-treating began getting popularized in the 1950s and candy corn was on the list of favorites. It's probably not a favorite anymore, but I like it. Do you like candy corn? What is your favorite Halloween candy? I would love to know. We sent in a picture of me in my costume for trick-or-treating this year. I am Mirabelle from Encanto. I can't wait to go. Happy Halloween, Sophie and Sophie's mom. Sophie, you look adorable in your costume. You look just like Mirabelle. I think that this costume is going to be a huge success and you're going to get tons of candy in your bucket this year. Hopefully some candy corn. And I'm really happy to hear that you like candy corn because I do too. And lately I think it's been getting a bit of a bad rap. I find it to be the most classic of candy, of course. And it makes sense that it was the first of its kind. Thank you so much for delving into that research and inspiring me. I should be doing a whole episode on Halloween candy. Very astute of you. I have to say that Reese's cups and Reese's pumpkins are my all-time favorite Halloween candy, although it's very rare to get a Reese's pumpkin when you're trick-or-treating. That is a very rare and cherished item to receive, like getting a king-size or a full-size bar in your trick-or-treat bag. I wanted to delve into some Reese's pumpkin history so that we could trade facts with one another. And I actually came across a really fantastic blog on it by Sarah Dudick. And the blog is called Indestructible Food, where she writes in depth about lots of different kinds of food. And I wanna share what she wrote about Reese's pumpkins. So this is from her blog and I will put a link to it in the show notes. Sarah writes, if you call Reese's, and you should, someone will answer the phone and tell you anything you want to know about peanut butter cups. Maybe there's a limit to what you can ask them, but I kind of doubt it. I called to verify a date because Wikipedia claims that peanut butter pumpkins were introduced in 1993, which couldn't possibly be true. Peanut butter pumpkins are younger than Selena Gomez? It can't be. Anyway, The rep informed me that pumpkins were, in fact, introduced in 1993. She listened to my protestations of shock and gently interjected, It makes you feel so old, doesn't it? I hung up the phone and all of my illusions of youth. Anyway, original peanut butter cups were invented in 1928 in the basement of Hershey Candy Company employee H.B. Reese. The name of the product was Penny Cups because that's what they cost at the time. Now we can all feel young again. They sold so well that Reese discontinued his other candies and put all of his eggs in the peanut butter cup basket. I know we're supposed to be talking about Halloween, but speaking of eggs and baskets, Reese's peanut butter eggs were introduced as the first seasonal variation in 1967. Then came the pumpkins and Christmas trees in 1993 and the hearts in 1997. The seasonal shapes of Reese's treats are arguably the best because the peanut butter to chocolate ratio is higher. Also, original peanut butter cups have those ridges at the edge, and while they're adorable, they're the whole crust of the candy, and they throw off the texture and balance of the experience. Some folks may disagree with me here, so I'll add that seasonal Reese's are bigger than regular cups and therefore superior. I rest my case. In the hierarchy of Halloween... Reese's Pumpkin is best, then full-sized cup, then Reese's Pieces, then mini cup. The Reese's candy bars are their own thing and should be classified amongst other candy bars. Okay, again, that was written by Sarah Dudick 
a screen printer, illustrator, and food fanatic, and the creator of the blog indestructiblefood.com, which is very fun, and I read through a bunch of them today, and I'm going to link it in the show notes here, and I just had to read what she wrote word for word because it was not only really fascinating, she did the legwork, she called in, but also I really appreciate her sense of humor and she nails exactly what I love about Reese's peanut butter pumpkins which is that peanut butter to chocolate ratio you get so much peanut butter and they're so satisfying to bite into there's like a little like kind of noise as your teeth like cuts through this really specific type of peanut butter that is unlike peanut butter you get in a jar and it just tastes so rich And who doesn't like to eat candy that's in the shape of something else? Maybe that's why you like candy corn, Sophie. I mean, it looks like corn, but it's candy. I like that this looks like a pumpkin, but it's filled with peanut butter. And by that same token, I'm wondering if you like the little jelly pumpkins. I adore those. They're also kind of old-fashioned, but, you know, they look just like a pumpkin. They've got a little sugar on the outside, and you, like, bite into them, and it's, like, smooth, shiny jelly candy on the inside. Mm, a classic. I also really like getting Almond Joys and Mounds Bars, but I understand if you're not as into them as I am because when I was six years old, I didn't like coconut very much, and so my dad eagerly devoured all of them. And the interesting thing about every year of your life that passes is your taste buds change and what you enjoy eating changes you're always growing in all these new and unexpected ways. And a lot of times you don't even know your body's doing it. So one day you might hate coconut more than anything. Coconut, it's all like shredded and weird and tropical tasting. But then the next day you might be like, whoa, I had no idea anything could ever taste as good as coconut tastes. So keep that in mind for any kind of candy or flavor that you might not be digging right now. In the future, it might become your favorite. I'm just so happy you're enjoying the podcast, Sophie, and thank you to your mom for helping you write this fantastic letter. I had so much fun reading it, and I love this picture of you, and I just got a kick out of picturing you laughing along with the witch in our opening song and giving your mom a little scare, which is perfectly in line with the Halloween spirit. And I hope that you have a terrific weekend and a really fun time trick-or-treating. And please feel free to write back in and tell us how it goes. And if you get any candy corn or if you get something really interesting and different, like a pack of stickers or uh, a coupon to a local business, every now and then you'll get something in your trick-or-treat bag that's just very unexpected and a fun surprise. So you'll have to let me know if that happens to you this year. Our next eek mail comes with the subject line, Spooked to my core. Hey, Luce, I've been listening to the podcast for about a year and a half, and it just brings so much joy to my life. I get so excited when a new episode pops up. Like many lanterns, I've always loved Halloween, and year-round I would look for ways to gently spookify whatever I could. Was that door creaking? Look at the mist this morning. Is that a scary face in the hedge? And so on. Now I have somewhere where I can feel at home and with others who can't get enough of Halloween spirit year-round. I think it all started for me as a child, always living in my imagination and feeling different from my peers. I've heard so many lovely lanterns say this, but Halloween gave me the opportunity to explore who I was and be as creative as I wanted to be. I remember my parents, aunts, and uncles heading off for a holiday in Las Vegas. I was about 10, and I didn't understand why I couldn't come along to a casino wedding. (laughs) But they brought me back a Dracula hood, face paint, and teeth to cheer me up. Oh, they knew me well. So I wore it every October for years. I first read Dracula when I was 12, and I have read it most years since then. I'm 32 now. I was obsessed with gothic literature and spent all my evenings after school using the library computers to write my own gothic novel. I got to 60,000 words, but I saved it all on floppy disks. 
which, alas, were lost suddenly due to a maliciously leaky lunchbox. Ugh, the tragedy. My little village in the southwest of the UK got pretty into Halloween, and my friend used to host a party each year. She had a long, dark garden, and there would be hidden spooky treats throughout. Things to find, like apple bobbing, though I've never really been a fan of apple bobbing because I spent ages on my face paint. And games and ghoulish props. We would all run around in the dark, frightening ourselves and each other. The first cold October night each year really reminds me of that time. I felt like I lost myself for a bit after that. My mom and I had to leave by ourselves a few years later, which coincided with moving to a new school and generally feeling like I was a teenager now and not a child. My mom is endlessly creative though, and we'd spend hours creating things together, making our little flat as festive as we could. Along with my partner, my mom is my best friend. She's incredibly supportive, strong, and creative. When I got to uni, I threw Halloween parties whenever I could. Once, I collected fallen leaves and pinned them to a dress to be poison ivy. <laughs> my favorite was when I moved in with my now civil partner, Ben. He wasn't that interested in Halloween, but he always supported me 100%. We spent months collecting cardboard boxes and transforming them with paper mache and paint into huge tombstones. They all had silly names on them like Dr. Acula, Miss Fortune, Frank N. Stein, etc. <laughs> Everyone had to walk through the graveyard to get to the main party. He even built me a huge spider that levered itself down whenever anyone opened the door. Maybe that was a bit too scary. <laughs> I've added a photo of our outfits. I made my dress from a thrifted curtain. Next year, our flat was a crashed spaceship with alien eggs everywhere. He spent a week making a Borg costume with a working chipboard and flashing lights. I wish I had a photo of that one. Around that time, I trained as a doctor, but decided to leave a year and a half ago. The burnout was awful and it made me feel incredibly unwell. Without getting too much into the problems in the UK, I could never fully give people the care that they needed or that I was trained for and it was heartbreaking a lot of the time. Once I left, I felt like I suddenly lost a huge part of my identity. I didn't know what my purpose was without this massive institution and I had kind of forgotten who I was. I found your podcast around the same time and I was bewitched, oh how spooky. I'm fully caught up now and have loved listening to the evolution of the episodes. Your open-mindedness, warmth, and humor made me feel so at home, and I partly credit the podcast with making me feel like me again in those tricky months. It's given me the courage and inspiration to rediscover that childish imagination and excitement. I'm now an illustrator, maker, and freelance writer. I feel like I was those things when I was 10, and it feels amazing to describe myself in the same way again. I paint little illustrations inspired by the seasons and knitting and quilting, which I print into cards and little prints. My handle for this is at Fiber Valley Art. I have an Instagram and an Etsy shop. I love painting cozy scenes with fires, pumpkins, and friends crafting together. I've attached one of them for you to see. I also make all my own clothes and I often have your podcast on in the background while I'm working. You can follow me at thread.and.yarn for anyone interested in sewing, knitting, natural dyes, or quilting. I have a YouTube channel, Thread and Yarn, where I post video podcasts about my making, including a knitting and folklore-inspired series. I just posted a Halloween special if you're interested. I've grown my own food for a couple of years, and my favorite thing to grow are pumpkins, of course. I've been wanting to write in for a while. I just wanted to tell you how much I love the work that you and your brilliant team do to create the podcast. Thanks for being so inclusive and generally just wonderful. Spook on, Lorna. Wow, Lorna, this was a really gorgeous 
letter. Thank you. I did watch your Halloween special, Halloween Tales and Spooky Knitting Ideas, and it was just terrific. Um, Lorna tells the whole story of the jack-o'-lantern and Stingy Jack, which is something I've been wanting to cover on the podcast, but honestly, you do so perfectly, so maybe I should just have you on and we can talk about it. (laughs) And you said so many things in that special, I really encourage everyone to watch it, Um, but a lot of your ideas I feel like really overlap with my own and the things that you're passionate about. I really see my own passion in the things that you're saying. Um, Lorna talks specifically in this special about how traditionally this time of year at the end of the harvest when the days were getting shorter and it was getting darker and cooler people would slow down you know they were no longer planting crops they weren't working as hard they were taking care of themselves and resting up so that they could you know start farming again when the weather changed But now, because we've automated and industrialized our world so much, there isn't really a time to slow down. In fact, you're kind of expected to just keep going at the same rate. And this rate is, of course, breakneck pace. And it's not great for our minds and our bodies. And Lorna talks about how important it is to her to slow down this time of year. And I have to tell you, I rewound and watched that part a few times because that was like a message I really needed to hear because I definitely have a hard time slowing down and have experienced, you know, quite a bit of chronic pain due to just working my body to the bone and not knowing when to stop. And I do think that that's an issue in general with independent creators because you don't get sick time or you don't have built in days off and you're supposed to be kind of in charge of all of that. But it feels like if you take a day or two off, you're losing money or you get behind on correspondence and then people get frustrated with you and then it feels like you're losing your network. Yeah, it feels really scary to take time off when you're in charge of your own income coming in. And I'd be really curious to know if there's other creators that can relate to that. That said, you can't just keep working yourself until you faint. And I really did appreciate this reminder that for thousands of years, this has been the time to slow down and to reconnect with our bodies and our needs. So really helped kind of get me in the right headspace. So I really, really appreciated that, Lorna. And I will have that video in the show notes. I hope other people take a chance to watch it. It's extremely calming and peaceful. And um, it's really nice to watch, if, especially if you're like me and you're not great with handicrafts, but you like them and you want to be good at them and you find it enjoyable to watch other people do them. I think you're really going to like Lorna's channel. I also just love your art, especially this beautiful pumpkin piece that you sent in, and I will post that on our Instagram. And I think it's so cool that you make your own clothes and that you grow your own food and that you chose this life after you got in touch with yourself and realized that you weren't going down a path that served you any longer. It is so hard to do that. I don't know how much I've talked about this on the podcast, but I used to be in crisis work and I did that through my 20s until I also felt very burned out. And it was so hard for me to switch from my late 20s, from, you know, almost 10 years of working in uh, crisis situations to then pursuing comedy full-time instead of just a hobby. And I felt like I was really letting down my community and that, um, you know, all that time had been like a waste and that I was taking the easy way out. And it just took me years to, I made the decision for my health. I had to do it. I had to get out because I was having a really difficult time, similar to what you describe here in your letter. But at the same time, it still felt wrong. Like I almost should have just kept going because that was like the right thing to do. But one of the things that ultimately inspired me to leave, other than my crumbling mental and physical health at the time, was this book I was reading on PTSD for crisis workers. And there was a quote by the incredible civil rights activist Howard Thurman, and it said, Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. 
And that just like knocked me on my bottom. I could not wrap my head around that idea for so long. It felt like doing what I wanted to do or what was fun or what made me feel joyful was frivolous and was not helping. And that if I was really helping, you know, it's very serious to help others and to be an activist and it can't be fun or it's selfish or you can't have a good time in your work that you're doing or it's selfish and you're not giving back enough. And, you know, reading a little bit more like feminist theory and activists theory, uh, especially from civil rights leaders and black feminists, I really learned a lot about how important it is to uh, have pleasure and joy in your life because that's what keeps you going. Because if you just burn all the way out, you also can't give back to the world. And if you allow for moments of levity and joy and you do work that really makes you feel like the most you, then you can live the longest, you can fight the hardest, you can keep coming back and back again because you're filled up. You know, you're not running completely on empty. So hopefully, you know, your story, my story can touch other people out there who are in a transitional time. I know there's a lot of feeling in your early 20s, like you have to make the right decision right now and your whole life is about to start and everything is just hinging on this moment, this choice that you're going to make about your career, if you're going to do more schooling or are you going to move across the country or you're going to get married or you're going to ditch these friends, what you have to make the right decision right now. And you don't, (laughs) and you won't. You'll make a lot of decisions that are really iffy or that are right at the time but aren't going to be right a few more years from now. Or you won't make a decision because it's hard to make a decision and you'll just try a few things for a while. And all of that is valid because that's like exactly what your 20s are for. And very much like what I was telling Sophie about how your taste buds change throughout your life, your passions change and become flexible. What what you really value changes over time. I'm a different person in my late 30s than I was in my early 30s than I was in several years of my 20s. So don't ever feel like you have made a decision that you can't walk back from. So again, Lorna, I really just want to like applaud you for changing your direction. I, it seems like that was a very difficult decision and you seem extremely happy and connected to yourself now. And I just think that's such a huge win. And I hope that if there's anyone else struggling with that type of major decision, that they take a little inspiration from this because it's possible you don't have to suffer. Follow the little joys in your life. Follow the thing that makes you the happiest and see how you can turn that into your life's work. It's definitely worth it. And if you can fold Halloween into it, take my advice, all the better. It's pretty fantastic to talk about Halloween almost every single day. (laughs) Lorna, I've talked so long about your message. I did just find it to be extremely heartwarming and um, just really important. And I do enjoy your work so much. So everybody check out the show notes for links to all things Lorna. And I will post her art on uh, the Instagram as well. Also, I'm looking at this dress that you sent me for your Halloween costume, and I can't believe you made it out of curtains. You're so talented. Ah, amazing. All right. On to our next eek mail with the very celebratory subject line. It's my birthday. Hey, Luce and Lanterns. Sunday, October 22nd is my birthday. I'll be 37 years old and getting close to the big 4-0. I just want to say hi to everyone and that I love the podcast. I would love to hear what everyone's going to be doing for Halloween and what they're going to dress up as. One day, my dream is to throw a big Halloween party and invite everyone. An all-lantern party. Happy Halloween to all from Cousin Jose. Happy belated birthday, Jose. I'm sorry that I didn't get to put this up sooner on the podcast. It's your first week of 37 how is it treating you what do you want out of your new year what are you proud of accomplishing with your last year i'm glad you're alive and i do hope that 37 is your best year yet and i hope that you have a really terrific halloween this weekend 
to answer your question about costumes, for our book club meeting this week, I dressed up as Margaret White from Brian De Palma's 1976 film Carrie. Uh, Carrie was a book that we read for book club last year, and we also watched the 1976 and 2013 movies together. So I thought it was like a fun little like ghoul gang wink costume. And it was also easy because I had the perfect white nightgown in my closet and the perfect knife in my butcher block. I love costumes that consist of clothes and props that I already have. I mean, that's basically what I'm surrounded by here in the pod closet is just decades of thrifted items. And now I just dive into that pile whenever I need a costume. And that way it feels it feels good to be able to use what I have to get creative. How can I turn something that I already own into a costume? And then I'm also not spending the extra money and I'm also not, you know, buying anything that then I'll have to throw out. It also helps that I've been in the comedy scene for like 13 years. So I have had a ton of wigs and props and just odd things I've had to get for sketch shows that I've just kept. <laughs> so my closet is a pretty fun dress up space. If I would have seen it when I was a younger girl uh, around the ages of I'd say like five to 10, I loved playing dress up. I would have flipped out. This is exactly the closet I wanted at that age. Sophie, maybe you can relate. So yes, Lanterns, now it's your turn to share with us what you are going to be for Halloween 2023. We can't wait to hear all about the costumes that you put together and what they mean to you and how other people received them. And did you build them? Did you buy them? Did you find them? Give us all the gory and non-gory details. We look forward to being able to share those stories in November. In the meantime, we will be looking forward to that invite to the All Lantern Party, Jose. All right, our next letter has the subject line, totally in need for tiny trick-or-treat tips. Hello, Luce, and hello, Lanterns. First of all, I love your podcast and all the work you put into it. I've been listening since 2021, and it's one of my favorite traditions to do in the spooky season. I'm a Mexican Halloween fan who doesn't have a lot of experience with giving out candy on one of the best nights of the year. So I have a simple question. How much candy do I buy? That's something I've always been curious about. Last year, I bought two bags and they ran out in less than two hours. Around 8 p.m., I didn't have any more candy, and I saw the kids in my neighborhood asking other houses, just walking by me and me being unable to give more. It was still fun. I just didn't expect that many kids. It was really something to behold. Anyways, what is the advice here usually? Should I buy the same or more than last year? Or is the fact that Halloween's gonna be on a Tuesday this year gonna affect how many people will show up? So I should definitely buy less? This beautiful holiday is starting to gain some traction in my country and my city. I live in a Mexican city that has been affected by violence and awful things in the past. And this opportunity of having fun with my neighbors and just bringing some joy to kids who have had hard lives is something I just don't wanna miss. That being said, I don't want to buy more candy than is needed or less than is wanted. How do you guys in the States manage to prepare for that? Thanks for all the advice, Luce, and greetings from Juarez, Mexico. Happy Halloween to all the lanterns in Halloween land, Antonio. Antonio, what a fantastic question. We've never gotten this on the podcast before. And here is my advice. I think you definitely should buy more than you did last year. And depending on how long trick-or-treating goes, so you said you ran out of two bags in less than two hours. So was there another hour left of trick-or-treating or does it go on into the night? Is there certain parameters? It changes here in the States really like city by city. When I was growing up in Elyria, Ohio, it was like an hour and a half or maybe it was two hours of trick-or-treating, and then it was like city shuts it down, it's over, go home. 
So I feel like two bags was usually pretty common in our area. However, if you're if yours is going on for three or four hours, you might want to think of it as a bag an hour because you ran out in less than two hours. If it's two hours, you might want to get three bags. And here's what you do. If you're getting to like the end of the night and you're like, wow, I still have half a bag of candy left. Then the kids who come around last are going to be the ones who walk away with the biggest haul. Unless, of course, you know, if you want to keep some for yourself and so you can like nibble on some candy throughout the week, extend your own Halloween celebrations, of course, be my guest. But if you're looking to make sure all of the candy gets given away, if it seems like things are slowing down and you still have half a bag left, just start giving piece more than one or two pieces away. If you gave out two, give out four. If you're giving out one, give out four. <laughs> Just start giving the kids more and more candy. They're going to be psyched about it. It's really a win-win. I don't think the night that Halloween is on really affects how many kids go out. You know, trick-or-treat was one of those very special times of year that it truly didn't matter when it fell. It didn't matter if it was raining or snowing. Kids were going out and getting candy. So I wouldn't worry about that. And as you said, it's been gaining traction, which in my mind means that it would be even more popular this year. Typically, when I hear from lanterns in other countries where Halloween is getting more and more popular, they see it expand each year how many people are celebrating. So if that's a trend that you're noticing, I think you should expect to have the same amount of kids, if not even more this season. So figure out how long trick-or-treating lasts, how long you'd like to be able to give out candy, and think about you know, giving out a bag and a half an hour, basically. So if it's three hours, then you need four bags. Was my math correct there? I don't know. And I don't want to know. Don't correct me on math. I will not learn it. Antonio, I hope this helps you get some last minute candy. You know, this is going up a few days before Halloween, so I hope you're able to buy as many bags as you need. And please keep us posted. I would love to hear if things got even more popular this year and how you did if you were able to supply the entire neighborhood with candy. I love your sentiment here about wanting to bring joy to kids who have had a hard time. It's so beautiful. This is just the epitome of the Halloween spirit that you're, you're cultivating here. And it makes me just thrilled to know that this community has been able to embrace and enjoy this holiday. Everyone deserves to feel the coziness and safety and the warm embrace of something like Halloween. Our next letter has the subject line, Confession of a Pumpkin Stomper. I hope you have a Spirit Halloween Nun costume, Luce, because I'm writing in to confess. As a kid, I loved Halloween, and I love it now as an adult. But in between my youthful years of receiving treats and my adult years of distributing treats, I confess I was a rebellious teenager dishing out tricks. I did not act alone. My friend Ella was my accomplice. It could have been way worse. We never derailed a trolley car. We didn't even egg and TP a house. But still, their great pumpkin will never forgive what we did on those Halloween nights. For three years in a row during high school, we would conceal our identities behind masks, dress in black to stealth into the night, and head out together intent on prematurely ending some jack-o'-lanterns. We'd walk the streets of our suburban neighborhood as children went house to house for candy, and as the hours grew late and the streets cleared out, our night would begin. Ella and I spent the post-trick-or-treat hours going around the neighborhood stomping on people's intricately carved jack-o'-lanterns. We didn't want to ruin our sneakers, so we both wore boots. This planning ahead only shows how premeditated our crime was. From jagged, smiling faces to fearful glowers, even intricately carved stencils, Ella and I crushed them all. We never moved them, and we made sure the coast was clear when we'd jump on top of them, whether their candles were lit or not. Then we'd quickly run off, leaving pumpkin gut boot prints all over driveways and manicured lawns. 
on to the next house where another pumpkin waited for us to come to reap it for a second harvest. By the end of the night, the treads of our boots would be filled with pumpkin guts. It dried there overnight, the evidence of our misdeeds plain to see. We never got caught, and that is why I write you today to unburden my conscience. I console myself that Halloween was technically over anyway. Those pumpkins would be thrown out in hours no matter what we did, but still, I did stomp innocent pumpkins. This youthful misbehavior is long behind me now, but even as an adult, I still end October 31st by stomping my own jack-o'-lanterns. There's just something satisfying about the feeling, like stepping on a crunchy leaf, but at least now it's only my own. So what is your judgment, Luce? Are you without sin to cast the first egg, or have you too a Halloween sin to confess? Lena. Lena, you are very courageous for sharing this story. And my judgment is that we all do things in our teen years that we can look back on now and regret or wonder what were we thinking? Or maybe we don't even recognize the person we were when we were younger. But we are all capable of great change. And I think it's okay to be a little reckless when you're younger. Although for the teens who do enjoy this show, I ask you, please do not stomp on people's pumpkins, even if it is after Halloween. Learn from Lena's story here, the guilt in her voice, the regret. You don't want to live a life like that. Let the pumpkins live or as Lena does now, just stomp on your own pumpkins. And, you know, I actually don't think I have ever committed any crimes against Halloween. However, I did appropriately try to steal a Christmas decoration out of someone's yard once when I was walking to junior high with my best friend. But we were unsuccessful. We only made it about a house down before the owner of the comically large candy cane came chasing after us. So we panicked and dropped it. And then we ran the rest of the way to school It was really my only dalliance with uh, being a publicly bad kid. I learned to keep it a little more secretive uh, to do things that were less obvious the older that I got, but still rebellious in my own secretive ways. I am a Scorpio after all. I love my little mysteries. Lena, I thank you for unburdening yourself. This is a safe space and There is no long-term judgment coming from me. I am glad, however, that you've learned from your ways, and I do hope the younger lanterns who are listening learn from them too and decide to be rebellious in less of a stompy way. Okay, one final eek mail on this extra jam-packed episode as we head into our Halloween weekend. I hope you guys have enjoyed this bulked up show trying to get through this giant letter bag before the 31st has certainly been an exciting exercise and there are more treats coming before November 1st so this won't be the last time you hear from me but for now let's think about Halloween in Alberta good morning Luce It's severely foggy this Friday the 13th morning, and I am about to head to our local Crystal Lake with a special jack-o'-lantern for the Great Pumpkin Project because that seems like the thing to do today. I want to start by saying that I found your podcast by chance while looking for something to listen to while I repaired some 60-year-old windows, and I have been binging it ever since. I didn't expect you to follow me back on Instagram, let alone be so approachable and friendly. I hope you know not everyone with a following is like this, and it is a lantern in the dark world of social media. (laughs) This is going back, but you had a caller from Calgary, Alberta, and I wanted to write in and say that I too am from central Alberta originally, a village called Clive, and then a town called Lacombe. My family has been in Lacombe for four generations, and my grandma had 14 children there. 
My uncles, all nine of them, were typical farm boys who wanted to raise hell after harvest. And what better way than to go wild in town on Halloween? One of my closer uncles noticed how much I loved this holiday and told me a couple stories from his youth. The most notable would be that they one year took some square bales to town in the back of the pickup and cut them open while they drove up Main Street. Once they got past the police station and had a sufficient trail laid, they lit the straw on fire. He said it was the most memorable prank he was ever a part of, but warned me that after that Halloween, the town did not take kindly to any more pranks. When I was a teen, the worst pranks we would pull might involve bottle rockets smuggled back from Salt Lake City from my Mormon friends or Roman candle fights in a field. As an adult, I do realize how dangerous and reckless this is now. <laughs> my last year in junior high is when I started to make friends after moving away and then back, and I had been going to the local bargain shop at lunch to buy masks that I liked. On Halloween, I had a backpack full of masks, as did my friends, and we hit the more popular neighborhood in a seemingly endless loop, <laughs> changing masks and swapping hoodies like teenage paper dolls, filling a king-size pillowcase without trouble. <laughs> as we got older, we started cutting through the graveyard near midnight, but none of us were brave enough to cross the little fence around the Halloween grave, legendarily haunted and creepy. I will attach photos I took years ago while visiting. Another funny thing about growing up in Canada is we all had to wear snowsuits under our costumes, which were usually oversized to fit, which was cumbersome as it is, but then to fit us with a UNICEF box around our tiny necks and fill them with cold pennies. By the time we were home, we had no energy to even organize our candy. Now I have four children of my own. We are not trying to beat my grandma's 14, but sometimes it feels like we have that many. I love sharing stories with them, especially about my ghost hunting 20s, which they don't believe, and creating special Halloween memories with them every year. My oldest was born on October 30th in 2014, and we dressed him up in the hospital on Halloween. Aww. I will share more stories another time. Thank you for reading some of my favorite memories. Michael at Sawdust and Bones on Instagram. Michael, this was so sweet. I love these stories. I think it's incredible that you dressed your newborn up at the hospital. You didn't say what you dressed him up as. I'm dying to know. Was he a little pumpkin, a little bumblebee? I'm just trying to think about like little baby things, little uh, little tiny ghost, the scariest little ghost you've ever seen. Um, and the Halloween grave, this it's pretty spooky. It is a grave of somebody who died on Halloween night in 1911 at the tender age of 36. Oof, very disturbing indeed. I feel like your uncle's story of practically burning down the town with a long trail of hay throughout the entire city is uh, really overshadows Lena's confession of stomping on a few neighborhood pumpkins. Uh, so <laughs> really makes it seem like a less of a big deal because you really, I feel like you haven't seen a Halloween prank until you see your entire town lit up by a trail of hay. <laughs> It's really funny that your uncles are to blame for probably what was a huge culture change in the city. Like everyone was like very big on pranks for Halloween and then they lit everything on fire and then it was like no more pranks, like huge sea change. I wonder if everyone thought of them as legendary or if people kind of resented them because they didn't get to pull pranks anymore. Halloween isn't much of a pranking holiday anymore, and I can't help but think it's because <laughs> the pranks that people used to pull in the mid-century were so outrageous. <laughs> I mean, truly, only a couple steps away from derailing a trolley car. But I like your prank with your friends where you just went back for more and more candy. That really got me, and it's very clever. <laughs> Thank you for all the Halloween laughs, Michael. I really enjoyed this letter. And if I have your permission, I will put this 
cemetery picture up on our Instagram at It's Always Halloween Podcast, where I do like to talk to as many lanterns as possible. You know, of course, there's always going to be messages that gets that get missed because there's so many people to interact with. And all I really want to do is like share stories with all of you all day, every day. And I hate that I have to like actually turn off social media and emails and just focus on work. Uh, It's so unfair. I just want to hang out and discuss Halloween, which luckily I did just get to do for the last hour with all of you. So I hope you are pumped for your Halloween weekend after listening to this episode. Please give us a call on the All Hallows hotline at 802-532-DEAD or write us an email at it's always Halloween podcast at gmail.com to be featured on a future episode. We really want to hear how you're celebrating this weekend, what your costumes are, what parties you went to, how much candy you got trick-or-treating, if there were any crazy pranks that are going to change the way your city sees and celebrates Halloween forever. You got to tell us these stories. And as I said at the top of the episode, if you love It's Always Halloween, then please, please, please subscribe at patreon.com slash it's always Halloween. Every single subscription really impacts us being able to stay on the air. This episode of It's Always Halloween was written, researched, and produced by me, your forever haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner with help from the Patreon ghoul gang and your fellow lanterns. Kia, Levy, Sophie, Lorna, Jose, Antonio, Lena, and Michael. This episode was co-produced and edited by Greg Nussen. Great job, Greg. Our theme music was written by Pete Burns, and our podcast art is by Rose Fedick. Special thanks to our Grimturns, Nathan and Tom. You can follow the show on Instagram at It's Always Halloween Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at LTB Comedy and Greg at Greg Nussen. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and write us a little review so that other like-minded lanterns can find us. The most recent one is from Vivi LaRue, who writes, Podcast Perfection. Luce is hands down my favorite podcast host ever. She gives us Halloween all year round and delivers it with a genuine sincerity, all the while being witty, insightful, and fun. I don't binge shows, but this one is binge-worthy. Five stars. Why, thank you so much, uh, Vivi LaRue. You have a beautiful name and a beautiful spirit. I'm delighted that you love the podcast so much, and I really appreciate that you took the time to write such kind and thoughtful words. We're also on the NPR One app, so subscribe to us there and tell Ira Glass that you love us. Thanks so much for listening to yet another episode of It's Always Halloween, and please come back next time. Unless you're too busy stomping pumpkins and lighting hay on fire.